With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club. And they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Celebrating in the streets in Lubbock. Wow. Because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the championship welcome on welcome all to the tortillas and takes podcast part of the 1012 network and the official podcast for regular sports you are on once again with your boy i'll be sure and guys we're so close to football season we can taste them because we are that close that means it is time to talk about the one the only texas tech university that's right we we all have Hung with us as we have looked at the new schools coming to the Big 12, as we have done a preview of every uh, Big 12 school currently in 2022. But now it is time to talk about the one, the only Texas Tech Red Raiders. And today we're going to talk about the offensive side of the ball. We're going to we're going to talk about everybody that Zach Kittley has to employ. So with that, I had to bring on the people champ, the guy's been riding with me this whole time. That is Jeremy. Every up, every preview I say it, and I'm, I'm sad that I missed the last couple. We're we're that much closer to football season. Uh, I'm super thankful for it because at a certain point you start burning out of uh, things to talk about. So, boy, just really had, glad to have the free content, and really just happy to see you know some sports again because boy, June, June and July just rough. It is well. Soccer is about to start. Like we're actually by the time this comes out, soccer game will be in like a day or two. So like this is um, soccer is about to start. Texas Tech sports is up and running. Right, volleyball has their exhibition going on against North Texas. Um, so it's sports are here. Sports are here, Jeremy. So that's a good thing. Um, so, but as we talk about the Texas Tech offense, we had to, we had to bring on friend of the pod, one of our favorite people that we've had on the podcast every single time, um, head of Red Raider Sports. That is Chris Level. What's up, Chris? Gentlemen, how are we doing uh, this evening? Surviving. Oh, man, it's, we're, we're here. We're surviving. Yeah. yeah no, I, Jeremy's I can, living it one day at a time. I can definitely tell when football gets closer, the, there's more phone calls, there's more stuff, there's more. There's more. Just yeah. everything. Yeah, there's just more. You're exactly right. And school gets started for kids and colleges and then here we we start to drink from a fire hose with, when it comes to football because you'll have it on 
at some point somebody's going to pop out a tweet when that first game comes on and say, there's going to be a game on TV between now and like, you know, November, the whatever. And you just, you just say, you know, just pour it all over me. Yeah. So uh, we're almost there. Yeah. We're almost there. Well, you, you brought up drinking and, you know, that's what Red Raiders <laughs> love to do. They love to drink. Yeah. They love to drink. So we are going to be talking – and this may be a season where we drink more than usual, but let's get into it. Let's talk about the, the, the offensive side of the ball. Let's talk about quarterbacks. Listen, let's get right into it, all right? I'm not going to – I'm not going to – uh, berate our listeners and make them wait about we we know what we're here for we want to know about the quarterbacks and who's going to be there and I'll let you start off Chris I mean what do you who who's leading the competition who do you think is going to be the quarterback for the Red Raiders yeah you, you know I I think it uh there were there was points in camp where the quarterback reps were, were very even I have maintained if you would ask me this question in April, if you'd ask me this question in June, and now you're asking it in, in mid-August, I, 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 until somebody proves otherwise, the way this is going to go is Tyler Shuck is going to be the starter and Donovan Smith is going to play. And I think what you're going to hear is that, okay, you know, and Donovan, I'm not all exactly sure where all he's going to play because Joey's kind of tipped his hand a little bit in that that can be some different things, but I just think he's too good of an athlete to, 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 to do some things. But you hear Joey the other day, he said that after practice, somebody is starting to separate. And I, I just uh, a thousand percent believe that that's Tyler uh, doing that. I also think a lot of these things can be true. I also think that Baron Morton maybe has the most upside of all three of them. It's just, it, it, he, he he's gained some weight. I think he's looked really good. It's just he's got a few older guys that are a little more experienced, a little more polished, a little more seasoned uh, than than he is. And I don't think you you take the young guy and say let's let's go young, let's take a chance, and you know and all that. But uh, I, I think that's how this is going to go. So uh, I don't know if I answered your question completely, but I think Tyler is going to be your starter, and I think Donovan is going to play. I, I don't know how much, and I don't know exactly where, but he's going to play and try to help this football team. That's what I would tell you. So as we're recording this, and I, I want to let our listeners know, we are recording this on the Wednesday before. So by the time this this this, be, this will be coming out uh, Monday. So by the time, if, if this drops Monday and a starter has been named, well, you know, you're hearing our, our thoughts beforehand. It is what it is. But um, I, Joey did mention that he has – it sounds like Joey has a guy picked out. You kind of mentioned it, Chris, as far as guys separated. And he said he was waiting for the second scrimmage, which will be this weekend, um, before now na- before really making that announcement of who that guy is going to be. Uh, I, I I've been I've been on the Shuck, Shuck bandwagon for really the whole offseason. Of uh, Shuck was the starter last year. Stuck Shuck didn't lose it. He got hurt. Shuck is the guy that's been there since Oregon. He has all the tools. He's tall. He has the arm talent. He has it all. Right, but it does sound like what you were saying, Chris, and that we and we saw it last year a little bit when Henry Columbia was a starter. That Donovan Smith would come in, he would run some some sweeps, he'd run some actions. Zach seems Zach Kelly, the offense coordinator, seems very um, innovative in some of the things that he 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 can potentially do with Donovan Smith. But I I wanted to tee that up before we give it to Jeremy because Jeremy's just gonna you know he's just gonna uh, gab all over some Donovan Smith, his boy Donnie. You know, go go ahead and first of all, nobody calls him Donnie, Jeremy. All right, first off, <laughs> okay, the only man in the world that called him Donnie. There are things that 
as bluntly as I can put it, there are things that Donovan does better than the other three, and there's things that he can do that are going to cause problems for the opposition. Short yardage, goal line stuff, we all know that. I think that if you if you if he gets in the open field uh, with the ball in his hands, it's a problem. He's big and he's physical. I don't think at all that he is ready to be a starter that Zach is ready to trot out there and throw the ball 30 or 40 times a game yet, kind of like what, you know, in some ways he would prefer to do. I just don't think he's as good at that as, as Tyler, maybe even as Barron, but there's things that he can do. And so it's really about trying to get all of that and, 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 you know, and, and help your football team because we, we've talked before, look, last year in the big 12, there was one team, I think, that had a healthy starting quarterback from beginning to end, and that was West Virginia and Jarrett Dagey. And even he rotated in with somebody. Everybody else has had somebody go down or pulled. So I guess my point is, in saying that, you're going to need more than one guy. We can all sit here and talk about who's going to be the starter and all that. You're going to need more than one guy. And I won't be surprised in any way if you you end up, you know, I hope this isn't the way this thing goes, but I hope that if they go with Tyler, he is able to start the beginning of the season and play well enough to keep the job all the way throughout. But in the last decade, you just haven't seen the Red Raiders pull that off. Okay. That, that, those are the facts. That's the data, you know? So uh, Pat Mahomes, I think squeezed in a year and he played hurt through, throughout it some, but the reality is kids get hurt. And I think Joey will tell you, and he has said, look, I'm going to let these guys run. I'm not going to protect anybody because I like my other options. And so if somebody goes down, you know, in other words, they're not going to try to bubble wrap any, any one of these guys and say, okay, heaven forbid he goes down because we're screwed. Otherwise they're going to run them. They're going to let them move the pocket. They're going to run them and do some different things. And if somebody gets dinged up, so be it next guy in. That's just the way I think he views it because all three of them can, that is, so that, <laughs> that is such a power move. That is what? That's such a power move to say that, right? Like, you know what, kid? If you want to go out there and run, <laughs> you do it. You get hurt? Not not my problem. We're going to put in number two. <laughs> well, but, but, you, but you know what, you know I know what, what I'm saying. saying. Because sometimes, sometimes coaches call plays yeah. and, and they do everything they can to stack the line or to, to max protect or whatever because it's like, hey, if this guy goes down, the whole team is screwed. I think it's a compliment to suggest that that he doesn't have to call plays or they have to, to scheme it up like that because, I mean, there's people over there that will tell you that have been in other programs who are like, this is the best quarterback room I have ever been around. And I, I think that is – I've never seen a situation like this at Texas Tech. Usually you always kind of have a, a one and maybe kind of a backup, but you've, you've never – I don't know if I've ever felt so good about like a third-string guy – at this point in the season is, is maybe what Barron is. And that, that's almost slighting him by calling him that. But that that's the reality of kind of what you're dealing well, with. I'm glad here. you said, I'm glad you uh, brought up the whole, like f- the whole injury exist like the existence of the big 12 is that you got a lot of rotating positions. Quarterback is one of them, right? It's so hard to keep for Texas tech. Like the past decade is an illustration of how hard it is to keep a QB one. Um, you know, I think like Seth Dagey, maybe 2011 was like a quarterback I remember played most of the season. Uh, so that's for me. It's like, hey, I mean, I don't. And that's two Dagey references in the span of like five minutes <laughs> of the podcast. I tried to, 
Shout out to the Daggy family. I tried to avoid it. I was yeah. thinking of Seth earlier, too, and I was like, nah, I'm not going to do it. Oh, I'm so not sorry. You should have yeah. given me a sign. Very underrated, quarter, <laughs> very underrated quarterback in the history of Texas he was. Tech, too. And so my, simply my point yeah. is, is that, man, I don't care who you line up there, number one. I do, like, personally, I believe Shuck will be the guy, uh, both seniority experience. Uh, he is the guy. Really, who win, Jeremy? He, hold on. He is the guy who is like, you know, we saw an agility drill earlier. He's the guy making the accurate throws and, and agility drills, which it, these are the small things that matter, especially when this, the quarterback race is so tight. Here's the thing, man. Donovan Smith, let me tell you two things. One, I hate package plays. I hate package players. Um, players that get relegated to man, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, assimilate you into our offense in very specific scenarios. I think players like Donovan Smith uh, it, it, like know that they're better than that, um, and no no beef against that. Like I think Donovan Smith, you know, I, I rewatched uh, two I watched two games. Uh, one I rewatched the Iowa State game. Donnie, like Donnie Smith, uh, you know, Donovan looks the best he ever has. And like he leads, you know, he helps lead Texas Tech to an incredible win, you know, off a Garibase kick, but gets him set up there. He, he runs the two minute drill perfectly, gets him set up. And then I watched the Oklahoma game, uh, <laughs> a disaster of a game, but a game that we've never really won. Oh, Oklahoma State? Uh, no, just Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. The f- Oklahoma State, like. Let's not talk about that one. That's a historic defense. We- <laughs> but, I, but at the same time, now at the same time, and we talk, I talked about this when I, was, when I had Phyllis Flavin on, like that's also not fair, right? Because that defense made everybody's life miserable, gave everybody the worst, you know, uh, uh, QBR they had all season. It's truly one of the best defenses I think I've seen in the Big 12 in the past decade or more. Like that defense was legitimately a defense that I think I'll remember. Let, let me ask you this. Forward. Let, let, let's, let's mention this. There's, here's a game that we haven't talked about. There was a few plays that were made that were huge. What about the bulk of the Liberty Bowl game? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because that, that was not that was not a pleasant experience on offense for a lot of that night, and that was a Mississippi State team missing a lot of guys. Donovan, I mean, especially the first half. The first half was a, a major struggle, a grind, couldn't get a lot going. Then you come out, you, you hit – uh, Jerron Bradley, and, and then you start, you know, a few things start to happen. But th- th- this is, I, I guess my point is, this is what you get, though, when you have youth or inexperienced quarterback. It's inconsistent. It's inconsistent. You're not real sure what you're going to get. And I think you try to limit as many of the potential pitfalls as you can. Shuck eliminates a lot of that. Now, at some point, Chuck, Donovan, Barron, whoever, they're going to have to win you a game, make a play, and be better than just, okay, well, this is the safest guy kind of thing. It's not what I'm suggesting, but at some point, one of these or, or multiple of these guys, they're going to have to make plays for you and, and figure out something when it's not there and, See, and think, orchestrate a drive or something. You know? I think that's the biggest question with Chuck is that like the, the games he played last year, the four games he played last year, did he ever make did I don't know if he really made the offense better. I don't think he ever made the offense worse. I don't think he ever made the offense like any any situation where Chuck just made a terrible decision or terrible anything. But did he elevate? Did he do and we saw Mahomes do it all the time, of course, when it comes to elevating the offense and stuff like that. And I think it's a question of with Donovan, up until the Oklahoma State game, as I would say was a great example, he was very I mean, he was so efficient. So wildly efficient. And then Oklahoma State kind of killed his moxie, killed it, kind of threw him off, and he struggled from then on. With Shuck, you don't have the, the pitfalls, but also it's a question of does he elevate you? And you saw the spring I game, Baron elevated. I think in the second yeah. half, I think in the second half of the Houston game, I'll be, I think Tyler did elevate the offense 
I, I think it was a bad first quarter in Austin. I think the other two non-conference games are somewhat of a – but that Houston team that you're about to see again, this is a top 15, top 20 team, and Houston only lost to you last year. And I think he had a big hand in getting that done, especially in the second half at the NRG Stadium last year. But it's all limited samples. And so all Joey and, and staff have to go off of is what they've seen on tape, and it's a handful of starts for each guy. And what they've seen in the in the spring, and now uh, you know what is about three weeks of, of fall camp. Um, and I think when when all the reps are kind of even, and you're being told somebody is starting to separate themselves, which is what they wanted, I just think that points. Here, so I'll, this will be my last thing, Albie. Um, I, <laughs> I, I will not back off this point. Here's the thing: is that when I look at Donovan Smith, I f- I think physicality. This is the big. This is the big winner for me. Donovan Smith is massive, right? And like you said, Chris, he gets out in the open field with the ball. You're, you're going to have a really hard time. You you need more than a defensive back out there. For me, Donovan Smith reminds me a lot of the way that Cam Newton played. And I know that that's a really big like you know you talk about, but like physicality wise, he is a lot of the same game makeup. And so if you can build, for me, it's like if you build an offense around that guy. And I know he's only a sophomore, so he's got time. I I don't want him to walk out the door. Is what I'm saying. Uh, I want to make sure that this guy wants to stick around for his junior and senior years. Oh, they're not. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they're leaving. I don't yeah. think well, any of these guys are I leaving. I mean, but you heard it. You heard it here first. Uh, Donovan Smith is Cam Newton. So <laughs> yeah. you know, well, you heard it here first. Jeremy Gillen says Donovan Smith is. So we're going to be expecting a Heisman here at Texas Tech <laughs> University. So with that, let's 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 transition to the skill players. Um, who the who. Mr. Cam Newton himself might be throwing to. Uh, so I, I do want to talk a little bit about the running back. So one question with Zach Kittley um, being the new offensive coordinator, a big question I had was, is that, all right, Zach Kittley, you know, going back to the old, to the uh, traditional air raid, um, but Kittley don't like to run the ball. He don't like to run the ball. That's one thing McGuire has talked about is that in the interview with Kittley, he, he basically called it out in layman's terms, like, you don't like to run the ball, it seems. And Kittley said, well, that's because I didn't have running backs in Western <laughs> Kentucky. You got running backs here at Texas Tech, and we're going to run the ball. So with Todd Brooks, Sarajic Thompson, those guys, I mean, what, do we, can, what can we expect out of our running court, Chris? Yeah, I, I, I would uh, – I, I think that was uh... – you know, and look, we weren't following all – none of us were following Western Kentucky week in and week out last year. We, we, we followed it from afar a bit, um, especially at the tail end of the season when it was – Zach was heavily involved. But he had, I think, one or two running backs go down early in the season. He also had a tight end go down. And I think – I think that, okay, what do we have left? I've got this quarterback. I've got these stud wideouts. Guess what? We're about to just drop back and we're going we're gonna to put people in a bind. And they were really good at it. You know, I, th- I think 270 first downs or so via, via, via the pass and like 94 via the run. But I'm telling you, uh, and, and one, it's, it's who your personnel is and also who you're going against. In the Big 12 now, this is a different Big 12 than Zach left three or four years ago, especially defensively. And I think I, I th- I'll be shocked if you're not very, very balanced. Uh, that um, I, I think I think that maybe he would tell you that his two best players on offense in general are Taj Brooks and Sarah Thompson. And so guess what? Those guys are gonna they're gonna get plenty of touches. 
whether it's handing it to them, whether it's throwing it to them, whatever, those guys are going to get plenty of, of run. Uh, I think Cameron Valdez has had a pretty good camp, uh, so I wouldn't rule him out. I think you'll see, you know, Zach is, is very innovative. I, I think that whereas, like, say, David Yost was pretty plain Jane, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be really fast, and we dare you to stop it. And the numbers show that that was a really good offense under Coach Yost. It gets a lot of bad rap, but go look at the stats with it. But Zach is from the Cliff Kingsbury kind of coaching tree, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of different wrinkles in what Zach will do. And and I say that to say, don't be surprised if some of your slot receivers line up at running back. Don't be surprised if some of your running backs line up, uh, you know, out wide, just to kind of create some mismatches because this is how. Zach knows offense. Well, it's funny you say that because remember Xavier White and Tredarius Townsend are both at the H. They're both depth H uh, inside slot receivers. Both guys previous running backs. So there's a very good chance. And I think when it comes to this innovation, right, jet sweeps are still going to be a thing, right? He did it over at both HBU and Western Kentucky. Those are still going to be a thing. There's going to be situations where you have guys motion to the backfield. So I think that's one thing. When we had Brett Siancy on, he kind of talked about the fact that we're very top-heavy with the running backs, but we don't have a lot of depth in the running backs. But I think that's where that depth comes in, right? Those slot receivers being able to work a little bit at, uh, in the backfield. Yeah, you know, and, and I don't know if Bryson Donnell is, is ready yet. Uh, I think Cameron Valdez is, is somebody that can help you. But, yeah, I mean, I think you have guys like, say, Xavier White and Nehemiah Martinez who were <coughs> high school running backs and now are slot receivers. You, you've got a lot more depth there than you think, you know, and, and guys that are can be dudes because if you've ever been up close and tried to watch people try to tackle Nehemiah Martinez and Xavier White, it is not a pleasant experience at all. Even for a guy like Krishan Merriweather or somebody, I mean, these guys are low centers of gravity. They're jacked. They're tough. That they don't want to, you know, go down. And so they they can be a part of that thing too. And and again, it's about using your personnel in a variety of ways to try to create mismatches. So, so as we think about the run game, we talk about the run game. Uh, we got to talk about some of the guys that help the run game out, right, and help the run game be more successful. And and Jeremy loves this group, loves these guys. And so, so I, I got to say, uh, I, I'm in quite a few group chats. I'm a, I'm a popular person, <laughs> and um, uh, in one of my group chats, they, one of the guys was was talking about um, future NFL draftees. And he was like, hey, man, have y'all heard of this guy named Mason Tharp out of out of Texas Tech? He's, you know, six foot eight, whatever, giant, and can catch everything, good a- athletic player, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, huh, you don't say. Um, because it, it's, it's – so we have that guy like Mason Tharp. We have Baylor Cup, A&M transfer coming in, right? I mean, what do y'all think of – this tight end group as the renaissance of tight ends are making its way back to Texas tech. Yeah. So I, 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 I talked to Baylor and to uh, Mason a couple of weeks ago in person. And I, I think one of the funny things was, is I was talking to Baylor cup about, I was like, one, first of all, how'd you get the name Baylor? Like you played at A&M now you're at tech and your name Baylor. Like what, what gives like, what's up with that? And so um, I think I think that when Baylor showed up, he was shocked to find out that there are there is a tight end taller than him uh, at the Division One level, and it, it, it it's a teammate that's two or three inches taller than him or whatever. I think that's fascinating. Uh, but 
the, the term with Baylor and with uh, Mason is catch radius. They're going to be a problem for a lot of folks in the red zone and short yardage, but they're going to have to play bully ball a little bit. They're going to have to, you know, make some tough catches because they're not outrunning really anybody. But but Henry Henry is somebody that I think Joey would tell you is the brand. And in that hard worker, like he's the dirty work guy. He's the guy that's going to get his, you know, stick his hand in the ground and then go block somebody. I mean, all these different things. I love this group. I don't know if there's a, a quote-unquote alpha in this group. I think they're all three. It's very similar to your quarterback position in that it doesn't really matter who the starter is, uh, but they're all three going to play, and I think you can run a lot of 12 and maybe even 13 personnel uh, with these guys. You know, there's even a guy like Jason Lloyd uh, that is a back-end-of-the-roster guy that could help you in a, in a spot, but – uh, Mason, it's all in front of him. I'll be honest with you. He's a freak. I do think, to your point, uh, to Albie's point about his group text, I think this is a young man that could absolutely play in the NFL at some point if he keeps progressing like he is. He's about 255, 260. He's a legit 6'8", 6'9". And, and again, if he'll, if he'll be consistent, then look out. And Baylor Cup, we all know what he was with his pedigree coming out of high school. And Texas, Texas Tech doesn't get many guys like that out of high school at all with that pedigree. So you say that maybe we've got an opportunity to have another Jason Morrow type character where you've got a viable scene guy who can get you big plays in the middle? And I think it's funny you, you use that comparison because much like yeah, Killy, Killy's a, you know, Neil and well, Kelly, he's a master of mismatches too. Like that's his, ago, that was Jason his whole Peter, thing. They would line up those Jace mismatches, as yeah. a wideout which kind of hurt him with the Mackey Award and all those things. They would line him up outside and try to get him matched up with, with smaller, whatever that looks like, a linebacker, DB, whatever. I, I'm going to be surprised if you don't see Mason and Baylor Cup lined up outside at times just to kind of see what the defense does. And if, if you run a route combo and somebody gets switched off, and they're 5'10", and you're throwing the 6'9", guess where the ball's going? <laughs> you know? I mean, that this is this is the – yeah, this is how he learned. This is how he learned. Yeah, like, you know, I, I think, uh, I, you know, like Lincoln Riley is a play caller and, and Cliff is a play caller. This is all they do is try to figure out how do I get – this guy onto that guy. What do I need to do to create motion and you know personnel groupings to get what I want? And Zach learned under this kind of dynamic, and he's he's a brilliant guy, and it should be fun to kind of watch him go to work because you don't have. Let's be honest, you don't have an all conference guy on your offensive skill players. You don't have what I would term yet anyway is a draft pick. But when I'm over there and, and you, you know, watched in the spring and all that, there's not much over there that you look at and go, he can't help you. You know, he's he's never going to be able to help you. And there's been a lot of times around yeah, here. Yeah, so we were, I mean, that's a great heavy, transition. I mean, we, were, we watched the spring game. We kind of saw that, right? That with with like, okay, Miles, you can do so really much with him. You can, we were talking about Justin for the inside really guy. Exist. He's another guy that's going to be so, out of the age that's going to be able to do a lot of those things. We saw him do that a little bit last year as well. But I think instead of him being just a gadget player, like he seemed to do a lot of the time last year, we're going to start seeing him really be that, even in a Kiki Kuti kind of way. Remember Kiki a few years ago was that guy out of the slot 
we were able right to run, run down He's the middle. He was able to get so many open field catches and things of that say, nature to where I think a lot of our other receivers, like the Sparkmans, like the Cleveland's, are a little bit more big body, a little bit more specialty, a little bit more of, okay, when we're in the red zone, we can do this. When we're in this situation, we can do this. Miles, it seems like you can do whatever you want with with his talent and his ability. Jeremy, who I mean, who else really stands out to you on the receiving core? You know, Duran, we kind of talked about earlier this. Duran Bradley is somebody who kind of later in the season made himself a lot more apparent. Somebody that I've been waiting for uh, to kind of take take hold of what I've been hoping for is Loic Fungi. Uh, Loic Fungi has been one of those, a great frame, a huge radius for catching, and just the ability to be very athletic. And I wanted him to be more implemented into this offensive scheme. And I feel like, you know, as we move into this season, you know, his, his like we're talking about, you know, Kitley's ability to assess and understand and adjust. Um, I think Fungi's going to uh, play. Um, I've been making a lot of comparisons, so I feel a little bit of pressure to make it again. But I think Fungi's going to kind of come in and be able to play uh, like a TJ Vasher role, maybe a little bit better than TJ Vasher was able to play. Um, you know, these these like long body catches over uh, over defenders, you know, always being present, you know, a threat in the end zone. Uh, Loic Fungi is somebody for me that I'm really hoping kind of takes a step forward in this new offense. Yeah, you know, and Loic's biggest problem, honestly, is he just hasn't been able to mm-hmm. stay healthy. That, that's that's really been what has held him up. But, I mean, at this point right now, I would tell you, I, I bet he starts. I bet he's given multiple opportunities to be a guy. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Jaron Bradley is the long one. He's the one that is the basketball player type that, you know, he's the one that got screwed out of a touchdown in Memphis when he was in the end zone and they didn't, they didn't give it to him, and that's that's Jalen Tyson's, you know, best friend, you know, who's obviously on the basketball team. Uh, so he's got that basketball background, and you want to talk about, you know, going up and high pointing the ball and all those different kinds of things. Uh, but the, the, those will be your two, yeah, six four and six five on the outside. It should be a lot of fun, especially so, when you got the tight ends like we talked about too. So if I if I got this correct, uh, Cliff Kingsbury is the offensive coordinator. Cam Newton is the quarterback. Um, Kiki Kuti and Jason Morrow <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, TJ Vasher, the receivers. We're building up a full franchise here, and it sounds like we got to get the franchise coach. That's right. That is um, Adam Goldman, our friend of the pod, Adam Goldman. He is the franchise coach, right? He's an experienced investor, serial entrepreneur that's going to help you get your finances in order to be able to get a franchise of your own. Book a time with him at FranchiseCoach.net. Uh, he's a Red Raider, and he's already helped out over three Red Raiders this year alone get franchises that they deserve, and you deserve one too, right? Get that in order and call the franchise coach at, at Adam Goldman at FranchiseCoach.net. So with... All these players and all these skills. That was a professional segue. <laughs> I was getting not, good at it, man. He, like, he. I'm telling you. Yeah, He's like a shark in the water. While y'all were talking, I was thinking, something. I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, well, so as we kind of talk about the, the skill players, quarterbacks, and everything like that, somebody got to keep them upright. Guys got to keep them upright. And last year, the old line was very experienced. We had a lot of older guys. Still pretty frustrating right now we have a pretty a lot of changes on the o-line right 
Um, we still have Weston Wright still here, so luckily he's he's still good to go. And then Caleb Rogers really kind of cemented his spot at, at at the tackle position. But we have a lot of new guys. I mean, what is Jeremy? I'll start with you. I mean, what are kind of some of your concerns about the group, or are you not concerned at all? You think they're going to be able to knock it out of the park? Man, I, I think that you know there's still some seniority on this team, like you said, in Weston Wright, uh, and then Cole Spencer left guard, and Cade Briggs up in center. For me, I think the strength of this offensive line oftentimes comes from center play. You know who's who's there snapping the ball, who's there kind of captaining the offensive line. Uh, it, it's so hard for me every year, year in and year out. I'm like, you know what? I think this could be good. I think that like last year, I was like, man, this would probably be good experience. You know, they have a lot of chemistry, it seems like. But like you said, it was just very frustrating. So I look at this and I'm like, I don't really know, man. You know, d- does d- does Dennis Wilburn have more of a case for center over Kate Briggs? You know, is somebody like Jacoby Jackson's uh, maybe somebody who can step in at tackle? There's just a lot of like there's a lot of questions that I just don't have answers for. So I leave it to my guy, Chris, who has a lot more experience with this kind of stuff. <laughs> To kind of give Are you some thinking the Baron Morton? Yeah. Are you the Baron Morton to Chris's uh, Tyler uh, Shuck? You got it, man. You got it. <laughs> I, I, I would tell you this is the biggest, um, oh, maybe the concern on the team. And it may give you the biggest answer, too. And if you get a big answer, look out. Your team could be really salty. But, one, they – they're basically telling you in the entire offseason by actions, this group needs help. It needs help right now. And so enter Kate Briggs, enter Cole Spencer, enter Michael Shanahan, enter Monroe Mills. On and on it went. I mean, they, they, they five or six guys brought in. Dennis Wilburn is a, a, a walk-on from, from the junior college ranks. This group needed help, and they felt like they addressed it. They've got numbers are not going to be the problem here. However... A lot of the guys that you brought in, Briggs, Spencer, uh, you know, Monroe Mills didn't get here till late, but some of those guys were here for the spring, but they didn't practice at all because they were dinged up or injured or whatever. So, because the two scariest words in sports are team chemistry. And when you don't have chemistry on your offensive line, it's, it's a bit tricky because you don't even know, you know, you're sitting here talking about center I could tell you that Cole Spencer may end up being the starting center, and and it, if he's if he's better than than Briggs or Wilburn, that's exactly what will happen. And then you figure something else out at guard. Um, but yeah, there, there, other than Caleb Rogers and Weston Wright, yeah, good luck trying to figure out who you're trotting out there. And and some of these guys, if you if you've been following practices and the stuff that we've been covering on Red Bear Sports and uh, other. You know, you, you guys know some of these guys have been held out the last couple of weeks. You're, you're trying to manage it. So how much of a push can you make in practice? How healthy will they be when Murray State Week gets here? And and because I think that Spencer and Wright and, and Landon Peterson are your top three guards, and those guys have missed some time lately. I don't think anything's major, but it's worth wondering, okay, what does all that look like? And so I guess I say all that to offer up. We may not really know the answer to this group until the end of September, early October on what it's, what the best five is. Uh, is that five really any good? 
is this a is this a major problem or hey man we kind of got something cooking here and you know I, so I, I think what hurts most unfortunately there, it's, it's hard to know yeah and i think what hurts most there is that we're thin on the inside too like there's not a lot of depth at the guard or center position so when you have and that's where we're having all, a lot of our injuries are, are going right and so when you have that and you're already thin at those positions to begin with well then you start using where you do have the depth right so now you have tackles that are now having to potentially play out of position luckily mike shanahan who is one of the tackles has some experience playing guard as well but like what are you it, it, it does become a little bit of an issue and this is definitely the group that worries me probably the most on the team to be honest because it's it's you already had a, a group that struggled at times last year a lot of them left you're replacing a lot of them and now it's still some uh, some of that inconsistency and i think that's where no matter who we have a quarterback no matter who we have at running back or anything like that if this group isn't good to go they're going to struggle it's going to be tough so you guys glass half full guys typically or glass half empty guys? Uh, I'm He's a people champ for the reason. Wait, I'm at, I'm... <laughs> okay, so, okay. You know, I, I used to, there was the old saying is like, don't figure out if your glass is half full or half empty. Just figure out who's pouring the water. Oh. That's what I always love that saying. <laughs> okay, yeah. Chris, Chris, but if we're, your all, glass half... we're all tech grads pouring the water. <laughs> is it? <laughs> is it? <laughs> Whatever. You know what it is. <laughs> is it if, if, if you if you want to be optimistic about the situation that we're talking about here, there is there is this way to look at it. Would I love, uh, you know, like that 2008 offensive line where I had those five guys, they were salty as all get out. They pretty much started every game and I knew what I was going to get. Absolutely. However, because of some of the injuries now and in the spring, guys being held out, You've got a lot of guys that have had a lot of reps dumped into them and a lot of cross training has gone on. You know, we, we didn't talk about like, you know, Ty Buchanan is another one that came here from USC after spending a year. He was very highly sought after guy too, but you've had a lot of guys. Ethan Card was on this, in this program last year. There's a lot of guys that have worked at a lot of different places and, and have been cross trained, whether it be at center or in the interior or, or at tackle. So, again, numbers are not the problem. You've got bodies, and typically sometimes that has been a problem is that if somebody goes down, we're screwed, okay? But, you know, at this point, it, yeah, at this point, I think you feel pretty good about your top 9, 10 guys. The problem is I don't know who the top five are. And are those five clearly better than the sixth, 7th, and 8th guy? And so, you know, because I, I'll, I'll just tell you flat out, when, when they're all healthy, I think Cole Spencer is your best overall offensive lineman. If he's healthy, he's going to start somewhere, okay? Kate Briggs, the concern there is that as good as he is, I think the concern there is when he goes against like the Jalen Hutchings types and he gets somebody that is really thick and got a low center of gravity, can he hold up? Well, guess what you're going to see when you play OU in Texas and some of these in Baylor? you're going to get a big bull right there on the, yeah, right there on the interior. And can you hold up, you know, with that? And that's maybe where Wilburn, you know, is is maybe a bit better. Or maybe do we say, okay, Kate Briggs is ultimately somebody that, you know, is our sixth best offensive lineman. Let's move Cole Spencer to, to center. But is Cole Spencer healthy yet? Who's missed some time and coming back? From it? There's a lot to try to sort through there. But there's some optimism there, too, in the group that, that Stephen Hamby's coaching too. So it just, but that group, man, you're right. It's a huge question mark. Uh, we'll be looking at it, you know, today and, and into October, in my opinion, before you really get a good feel for it.
So, Chris, it's it's that time. Um, we're going to have a prediction episode uh, where Jeremy, Dylan, and myself will have all of our predictions for the 2022 Texas Tech season. Uh, but Chris, you're not going to be on that episode. And the people listening to this episode want to hear your opinion. They're like, listen, we, we listen to Albie talk all the time. Forget him. Chris, what do you think? So, I want to... I wanna, Take a step back and really think about this team and this schedule. What is your predictions for the 2022 season? Uh, where do you see the Texas, the Red Raiders ending up? Do we have a postseason? I mean, it's the floor is yours. The schedule's brutal, okay, on paper. I, I think it is, it is one of the most difficult schedules I can remember in that you know, now you have a lot of home games, but there's six preseason, there's six preseason top 25 teams. And that doesn't, you know, account for teams like Iowa state. It's, it's brutal to try to win in Ames, Iowa these days. You know, that's where you have to go this year. Um, that, that doesn't count Kansas state who many people feel like they're a dark horse to win the conference championship in that, you know, so I, I think, I think that the beginning of your season is really going to tell the tale fellas. If you, if you beat Houston, you go to a bowl game. If you don't beat Houston, I really worry about that. Because if you beat Houston, you go to NC State and you're 2-1, and one, and I think you, you go, okay, if we get this one, look out. Because now we've got two top 25 wins on our resume. If you lose to, if you lose to Houston and then go to NC State and drop those two games and you've got Texas here in the next one, you could be 1-3 and three, and you haven't really lost a bad game. You just lost the teams that were maybe better than you. Okay. And that's where you start to really worry and get concerned about where this thing goes. But here, here's what I would say. Joey has got these guys believing. I don't think he's going to take a week off from the juice that he offers up uh, and get these guys playing hard. But, but I, I think you're staring at a six and five, excuse me, a six and six or seven and five record right now. If you have really good quarterback play, could it be better? Sure. Could it be worse? Absolutely. I, I think the schedule is brutal, but I'll, I'll, I'll go seven and five. But the key is, the key is, is that three-game stretch when, when you have Houston, NC State, and Texas, two of those three are at home. If you go two and one in that stretch, you, you, you're going to be in really good shape. If you go one and two in that stretch, look out. So once again, the, the, wrong the season rides on the Houston game. It's not just like last year, right? Last year we were saying the Houston game is going to really depend on Golly, whether the team goes yeah. to the bowl or not. So, and, and they and, did. And we thought. And they did. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 it, and, it, and it's still, and it's still, yeah, got a coach fired. And, yeah, yeah I mean, it, wild, wild times last year, man. <laughs> to say the yeah, least. wild times. Yeah, they, they, these kids, they, some of these kids on this team, they had three head coaches last year. Three. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, well, I appreciate Chris coming on. Like, and, now, and we had the pump jack, and now we got the cactus, and you know, all kinds of stuff. So it's just. Well, we did hey, have. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you. no, you're good. Back. We did have we did have uh, Parker from Stats of War on talking about the talking about TCU side on that, and <laughs> listening to their their side, and there yeah. apparently the TCU side is. Uh, Man, you really should have kept your mouth shut on that one. Like, don't, don't awaken, don't awaken a, 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 don't awaken the fan base that we already know was wild and rambunctious to begin with, right? So, um, but uh, Chris, as always, great having you on. Um, as we always do, make sure to to plug everywhere that people can find you if they, they should already know. I feel like you you're on here enough to where if you're listening to this, why the hell are you not following Chris already? But let them know. 
keep hope alive boys and uh you can follow me at chris level on twitter i think other i've got some instagram account too but it's usually just my wife and kids picks and all that stuff but yeah or, or we're obviously on redraidersports.com so appreciate it guys yeah that's why nobody follows me on ig because they're tired of seeing my kids as well jeremy anything else you want to say to the people just that much closer to football I have one final tidbit. As we went through skill players, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you, don't forget about the Boyd kid from Minnesota. Do not forget about him, okay? So I'm just telling you, he lit it up in the spring. He's going to light it up this fall. He makes plays. Uh, So if you're looking for some sort of off-the-radar, dark horse type, type player, that a lot of people aren't going to be talking about around the water cooler. He, he is one Brady Boyd is a guy that just makes plays. The two freshmen that we didn't really get into that. I think that you, you guys need to know about is Tyler King and Koi Aiken. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll just leave you with that. You do with it what you want to, <laughs> but you heard it here. So shout out to Chris because uh, Jeremy, we have gone this entire se- this entire preview season talking about certain tech players on other pods. And I've been on a few uh, preview pods as well. I've even talked about Blake Bedwell. And I have not once mentioned Brady Boyd. And that's on me. Because Brady Boyd absolutely will get the playing time that he deserves. Um, I've heard the same things about him coming out of camp. We saw him in the spring game. Yes, Brady Boyd. Man, yeah, shout out to Chris Level one time uh, for bringing that up. And that is the nugget to end the podcast here. So uh, thanks, Chris, again. And for Chris, for Jeremy, this is Albie Shore, and you have been listening to Tortillas and Takes podcast. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.